podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome back to Malby on the Spot on Anfield and Next Pro. This is your, I'd like to say weekly, but we've been lax a bit recently. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, but it's your regular opportunity to catch up with the wit and wisdom of Jan Malby, the Liverpool and Denmark legend who you've all grown to love. And let's just not waste any more time and get straight to hearing the man's opinions about all things Liverpool. Jan, it's been too long. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, it has been too long, Trevor, but, you know, obviously unforeseen circumstances uh, and whatever. Uh, I do believe that since we were last doing a podcast, I believe we beat Manchester United 7-0. Uh, but I think that's about the only bright spark. Uh, and as as, <laughs> as the uh, the viewers will see, I'm almost permanent now with glasses, uh, which I'm not sure is a good sign either. Uh, <laughs> well, there's I mean, worse I... things in the world, Trevor. There's worse things in the world. Do do you wear them around day to day? Because I I don't. But for stuff like this where I've got to look at screens, I just need them now. That's just it. But do oh. you, if you go down to shops, you're not wearing your glasses, right? No, I don't. To be fair, I don't. But you're right. Situations like this and and obviously matches and things like that. I was when we were at we were at Old Trafford last weekend when when they played Everton and I said to the guy I work with, I said, do you think we could both commentate the whole game without the glasses? And he went, no, I don't think we can anymore. So yeah, it's another thing that creeps up on you, Trevor. Comes to all of us, bud. Comes to all of us. Um, like you say, it's been a hell of a chunk. And we should just actually look at that run of fixtures um, for what it is. So 7-0 happens on the 5th of March. And then there's, oh, we know there's the break and all that kind of stuff. But 7-0 happens. Uh, the next time we run out is the 11th and we get beaten by Bournemouth. Then there's a 1-0 uh, Real match where, honestly, there wasn't a whole lot of hope going into that anyway. Um, we then have a pretty bad reversal 4-1 against City. That was a bit of a low point of the year for me. Just the attitude, especially in the center half, the second half, I thought it stunk. Chelsea was possibly one of the worst games of football I've seen in ages. And then we had the sort of schizo first half shite, second half pretty excellent at times against Arsenal. Um, to say that's a mixed bag would be doing mixed bags a bit of a service. It's awful, really, isn't it, man? When you think about it, like, it's a bunch of results. It's pretty dreadful. Yeah, but I think the results are almost one thing, Trevor. I think if you dig deeper and you actually start to look at the performances, uh, you look at the performance against Bournemouth. I know we missed a penalty and things could have been so different in it, but with the ease at which they created chances running straight through uh, our back line, uh, the, the, the City game, I was at the City game and you know that second half, when, when did we last see something like that, Trevor? When did we last see something like that? You know, and, and the best thing, if you think, 
if you think we're making that up, yeah, there's people watching this thinking, oh, well, it wasn't that bad. The best indication is the Liverpool fans behind that goal, yeah? You know, with, with mm. 15 minutes to go, I would suggest there's 500 left. Liverpool fans don't yeah. ever leave, you know. They stay because they're proud of their team, they're proud of their football club, and we stick together, isn't it? But even they said, yeah, but, but he could, I mean, it was 4-1, but the gap was just... And then, correct, pointed out the Chelsea game was just from another planet, wasn't it? You thought, what was that all about? And how that ever ended nil-nil, I will absolutely never know. Uh, having said all of that, I, I did enjoy the last one against Arsenal. Uh, it was a bit more, you know, sort of it's wild, out of control for most of us, you know, where we just gave it everything that we had, didn't we? Uh, you know, it's no good to suggesting that we turned the corner. I don't think we're at that stage. The next time we can talk about turning the corner is next season, isn't it? You know, from mm. now to the end of the season, a few games we've got left, it'll be up and down, it'll be east, it'll be west, won't it? We just have to put up with it. Uh, and that corner turn is going to be up for grabs as well, depending on the amount of investment, right? So we're going to have to talk about that later on as well, because it's the only show in town really between now and the end of the year. But we'll fold in how you think um, or what you think is actually possible for this team to achieve. But before we do that, what we have to do is say up until mm, half an hour of the Arsenal game, throughout most of the Chelsea game um, against City, against Bournemouth, I wasn't really that impressed with what we did against Real Madrid, considering the occasion that it is and, and what was at stake. What I suppose what I'm getting at is there's a terrible attitude, stunk the place out. I mean, lack of lack of effort on a scale that that's it's hard to it's hard to um, put right in your head when you think of the players that we're talking about. Now, you you'd be like me. You're not going to go and start hacking the back off fellas who've been heroes. Um, but there's something very askew, and I think it's too lazy, isn't it, to just put it down to exhaustion from uh, a consistently high performance and, 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 and all that type of thing. I floated it out a few times on shows recently. I'd really like to get your take on this. I think the real issue, Jan, is they're psychologically bollocksed. Um, I think you're performing to such a high level, and it keeps getting snatched away from you. In the finest of margins, on so many occasions, you get to two Champions League finals, you lose them. You lose two leagues by a point against some sort of um, artificially inflated, let's just say cheating machine. It must be hard on the spirit, man. I mean, can you relate to it from, from your own playing days? I don't really think you had rivals like City as such, but... The, the 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 heartbreak of just missing out. There was a lot of seasons where it was second rather than first for you guys. Yeah, uh, well, you're right. We 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 could, we were never in a position to point to to one club. And during my time, maybe a little bit towards the end, but generally, we were the best and the biggest club. You know what I mean? So it wasn't as if you're thinking. It's a bit like every Liverpool player, every Liverpool fan knows that Manchester City is not a bigger club, isn't it? But 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 they got more tools to play the game with, isn't it? So it's very, very difficult, isn't it? It's a bit like a relationship going wrong, isn't it? So eventually you go, I can't do this anymore. You know, and, and, and I guess in, in, in a, to a certain extent, that it hasn't happened to our football club, yeah, because our football club, you know, has, has been involved in, in, in too many of these and the fans thrive on these things, isn't it? But, but I do think for a number of players, they've kind of almost thrown the towel in, not on purpose. It's just... Sometimes 
you just you, because you've got to do it physically and mentally, haven't you? You know, it's, it's one doesn't go without the other, does it? You can, and I would suggest that our players physically are as fit as they've been in the last five years, but mentally they probably aren't as fit as they've been. Uh, so, yeah, like it's a relationship where in the end you hold your hands up and you go, I just can't do this anymore. It's just relentless. It's so hard work, isn't it? And they just keep going, isn't it? You know what I mean? So, yeah, there's uh, there's probably been some damage done to our squad. Uh, that's that's something that we we, uh, we we can't repair it. It's, there's probably no way back for some of those players. And I think the club is, is, has probably reached the same sort of conclusion as, as we're doing now, Trevor. That it's no good keep relying on these players and it, 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 it will return. It probably won't for some of them. Not for all of them, but for some of them. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well... Over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. I'm trying to think about um, similar situations and maybe, again, just to get sort of specific insight. Like you said, when you guys were really winning things so constantly there was there was nobody to compare um and it was different foes at different times everton had what three or three year run or something like that um maybe four uh, where they were challenging um but it was different people it wasn't that one sort of unstoppable force like city that just keep adding and adding and adding and of course this crowd as well psychologically have to look at other clubs now like Newcastle and like Chelsea, particularly, even though they're massively underperforming, who can just throw the kitchen sink at it. Like the spend under Todd Bowley is ridiculous. So I'm trying to think maybe of an equivalent period where you're, you guys were used to being top dogs and then where that, that spell, I guess it coincides with the Graham Sunes era uh, and the time up until when you're, heading off uh, for different pastures yourself that the club started to have a different feel about it um in terms of you know there were there were emerging forces manchester united were coming uh, into their own and i wonder did you have that kind of feeling then i'm I'm looking at lads like virgil van dyke andy robertson trent alexander arnold i'm seeing them jogging back at times it's just not a good picture jan it's not the whole story. That's simplistic nonsense, but it's not a good picture. Uh, and I'm wondering, is that part of that sort of a uh, fuck it kind of thing that psychologically your head's gone a bit? And I wonder, did that happen a little bit um, in the Sunas era that you remember? Because as a fan, it felt a bit like that, whether it was or not in reality, I don't know. Yeah, I think it, it, it did. Trevor. I mean, I, I must stress again, yet again, it's not something that players do on purpose. I've never come across a footballer who goes out to play and, and not try his absolutely hardest. Uh, but for some yeah. reason, you're continually running up against a brick wall uh, and that's what's happening. But I agree, 
it's 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 not a good picture when we see our players not given 100 percent because we, we don't have many demands. Uh, the one demand we have is that everybody gives 100 uh, percent in their own way. You know, some give 100 percent in a different way to others, isn't it? But we always give as much as we can, isn't it? So, but in terms of trying to compare it with the Sooners era, in in Sooners era, we were nowhere near it, were we? Uh, you know, we 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 didn't finish second or lost cup finals. We were so there was massive disappointment. But it was a different disappointment to this team because this team was right in it. They were right in the mix. We knew we, we had no complaints. It was season we finished fourth, fifth, sixth, or whatever. And nobody ever went, "How did we finish here?" Because we finished where we deserved to finish. You know, mm. and, and you probably can't quite say that. It's the one thing we always label at this team, isn't it? You know, probably didn't win enough trophies, which, which is a shame, isn't it? You know, but that's probably the one thing, isn't it? But there was no real excuses in in in, in our day. We just weren't good enough. But this team. Is good enough. They just they just you know ran ran up against the machine and and a, and a team full of players that you know we keep talking about squash don't each other and I, and I think it's more evident than ever, isn't it? You know what 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 they've got sits to so at every given situation. You just can't keep competing if you don't have the same tools, you know. And and for a while we we relied on our starting eleven, and then it became almost fifteen really really good players, isn't it? But City's got twenty odd, haven't they? And it's just you just can't keep you can't keep going toe to toe with 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 something like that. Eventually, they'll break you. And I guess that's probably what City have done, isn't it? You know, they 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 probably mm. broken the spirit of this team. Yeah, and uh, I I again I I think it's really important that you point that out about what players do or don't do. People are very quick to make personal digs and uh, talk about attitude stinking and all the rest of it uh, and there's an assumption there that it's deliberately done or that there's a, no zero fucks given as they say and that's not the case um but you i think we are talking about damaged goods i think that's the the conclusion we're coming to here now we'll spend the last part of the show looking at what's left of the season and what you think can be made of it if anything looking at points potential points totals looking at opposition talking about a few of those games we'll focus obviously on the next game against Leeds like we tend to do but you mentioned earlier on yeah it's going to be about what can we do to reboot um and was it Tuesday evening today is Thursday when we're recording this I think it was Tuesday evening uh late ish in the evening when a whole big media dump happened about Jude Bellingham and how it looks like Liverpool are not willing to pay the price for Jude Bellingham. All the fellas you'd expect to throw the story out, the guys who tend to get things in the past were all on it. And I want to, first of all, float this understandable fan reaction to you and see what you think of it. A lot of people are going, so we put plans on hold, um, basically almost wasted this season by not investing and um, because we were waiting for Jude Bellingham was the story, right? And now we can't afford Jude Bellingham. And now people are doing all sorts of um, maths in their minds saying, well, if he was going to cost this, we could get this and this and we'd be better off anyway. And that's all fine. But that seems like justification. Um, what's your take on is there has there been a strategy here? It's a little bit more or less complicated than people are making out. What do you reckon? I think it's really difficult. You know, I think it's easy to 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 get involved in four or five different scenarios. Uh, I mean, my first issue with it is, Trevor, 
have we somehow engineered a very public loss in terms of trying to sign Drew mm. Bellingham? That's how it looks Ooh. to me. Yep. Now, what would the club's interest be in that? I, I really don't know. Uh, because we, I almost feel like we've engineered a public loss in something that, were we ever really in it? You know, when it comes to it, and it's going to be 130 million, and it's going to be 500,000 pounds a week, were we really in it? So I don't know what we get from from from, from doing that. Uh, some people are saying we're still very much in it. Uh, I don't think we are. Uh, I don't think this is a negotiation tool and, and, and we're trying to step back. I think we we, we, we probably put some feelers out, uh, spoke to some people and realised uh, this is way beyond what we want to do. I think, had we not fallen off a cliff this season, possibly we would have still gone for Jude Bellingham. But I think Klopp have sat down and go, you know, one guy, and even if this guy is potentially world-class, it's not going to solve our problems. So we have to rethink you know, we have to do something else. And I and I think, you know, I hope, I hope that that is the case, that we've gone, okay, you know, there's not one guy who's going to come in and solve this. And maybe even that one guy that we want to, uh, because as you rightly said, last summer, when we didn't get the boy that went to Real Madrid, uh, then we then decided to sit tight because the right people weren't available. And obviously the right people was, was, was Drew Bellingham, isn't it? So, so I don't know. But also, there's, a, there's an issue with our owners, isn't it, Trevor? Because they obviously run the... It's a self-sustaining, it's a self-sustaining business that they run. Uh, and they run it uh, along the rules of financial fair play. So unless we change to a different uh, owner model, you know, ownership model, we probably have to be honest and say, well, we won't be able to... We won't be able to compete with these guys. Uh, and it's a massive big rethink, isn't it? So I'm disappointed... I was at Anfield on Sunday against Arsenal, and you know you spoke about those reliable reporters. I stood and spoke to two of them, and I said to one of them, "If you had to put a ten on who we would sign next year," he said, "I'm not a gamble man." He said, "But if I had to, I would put money on getting Duke Bellingham and Mason Mount." That's what he said last Sunday. One of the reliable boys, yeah, right up there in terms of reliability, and that was still the belief until last Sunday against Arsenal. And as he rightly said, forty-eight hours later. Uh, it's planted by the, 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 the right names and, and voices uh, and here we are and a lot of people will be extremely difficult because you rightly said we decided not to do anything I mean we, we I think the longer all this goes on Trevor, and I think if you look back we, we've been in some difficulties for 12 months now I even think towards the back end of last season we sort of ran a little bit on empty uh, we've had out of form fullbacks for a long time we've had out of form centre-halves for a long time the whole of midfield has been out of form for a long time. They were our glaring weaknesses. And when we had money to spend, we signed a centre-forward and, and a winger. So I also think that there's mistakes being made within the club in terms of recruitment. Uh, so I would I would like to jump on the back of the owners and say A, B and C. And but I, I just think that we know the way that they do things. Uh, They've got their short and long-term planning wrong. They're now trying to rectify that. And I guess Klopp Klopp would have been very vocal in that and going, is it Bellingham and and no more, if that's the case? I I can't do what I want to do just with Bellingham. So we're going back and we're looking at various things, even a story that we've been in touch with in goal, I can say, to see, I mean, what a signing he would be, although he would fall into the same category as Thiago. 
in terms of injuries, isn't it? So I find it really difficult, Trevor. I find it really difficult, but I can I've got some sympathy with the owners because it's pretty open and pretty clear how they run the business, isn't it? You know, uh, sell to buy. Whether we got anyone to sell, but I always think that with the Drew Bellingham thing, I never felt it was going to be the fee. You know, we knew the fee was going to be heavy. I always felt that the bigger problem was going to be the wages. You know, we can pay 100 million for Drew Bellingham over five years at 20 million a year. We can cope with that, can't we? I always felt that the wages would be a bigger problem than, than the fee, as it happens now. We 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 we've woken up to the fact that one player, as good as he might be will not improve us to the level that we need to be at, which is pretty straightforward, top four. Yeah, and you're right, though, going all the way back to the point you made at the start, it's a very public loss. It's a very public humiliation if it doesn't happen. There was so much overt flirting with the fella, so much of the club's own PR stuff, like here's Hendo and Jude looking like pals, here's Trent and Jude looking like pals. It's going to sting, I think, for a lot of people if it doesn't happen. And like you say, it doesn't look likely. Uh, there are still one or two people who are firmly of the opinion that it will. There's something that occurred to me in the middle of that that I wanted to ask you. Um, we know Jürgen's a sort of famously loyal fella, um, possibly uh, to an extreme in that people are questioning the wisdom of Jimmy Miller getting another contract. They already quit question the wisdom of Henderson's, um, the length of Henderson's contract extension. Um, the fact that Jurgen was going out of his way to get Bobby to stay and Bobby's the one who's decided to move on. We know these kind of conversations. Do you think that's maybe at the heart of why he doesn't seem as bent out of shape or ever, ever, ever directs anything but sort of praise towards the ownership group? Because I have no doubt personally that if someone had given um, John Henry the 4.5 billion that the club was valued at, he'd have taken it and run away, but he didn't get or didn't get that offer. I think that's why they're still there and uh, majority owners and looking for investment. So I'm wondering, do you think, is, is that another example? Like if you know, if this is Rafa Benitez, he'd be making all sorts of statements. Tony Conte would be burning the press room down Um I, 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 people have seen this as a little bit of a weakness in Jurgen. Do you have any? Do you hold any truck with that? Do you think that's staffed, or what do you reckon? I, I do actually think it's staffed. I, I yeah. don't think I don't think Klopp I don't think Klopp has a, has a weakness in in that respect. It's I think they, they they sit down and they have very grown up discussions about how we're going to move forward. And I think by the time they shut the computers down and they're finished with the meetings. I think Klopp is quite happy with what he's heard. Uh, I don't think Klopp is one of those who wants A, B, and C, but he wants he wants support. Uh, you know, as one of the top managers in the world, he wants support. And I think the owners will go with support him as much as we can over the years. Uh, but we, we hear it more and more. I guess we'll get it again when we have the press conference leading up to the Leeds game because that that'll be the first time that the media will have a chance to ask about Jude Bellingham and. And then, of course, Jurgen Klopp will like, yet again have to defend the owners in public. And yet again, there'll be fans jumping on the back and going, here he goes again, sticking up for the owners. You know, when when so many of the fans want FSG out and they've had enough and they don't spend enough money. Isn't it? So it is an issue, isn't it? But Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. 
and we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Jurgen Klopp's anyone puppet? I'm not having it, sure. Yeah, I'd be in agreement. What do you make then of just this one last thing to do with FSG? As you said, the, the way they do business is the way they do business. And it's kind of daft to expect anything else from them at this point, I think. This is why I can't understand people talking about 200 million war chests in the summer. I mean, where's your evidence of that ever? Um, I think if you look at 16-17, I think that's Jurgen's first full season. I think they make a profit in that window. Uh, overall, the club do. Um, I'm not sure about the following season, but I think there's a small profit or break even. At the couple of years where we win the Champions League and the league put together, there's actually a profit made in the transfer across the four transfer windows. And I think there's the following season, then there's a big spend of about, for, for FSG, of about 120 something million. And then we're back to you know, breaking even our profits. And I think did they spend total about 20 million um, last year uh, when you factor in the Luis Diaz deal. It's really is operating on, on buttons when you compare it to the madness that's going on, say, in uh, Stamford Bridge. Nobody's saying that's the right way to do it. Just fire all your money at the wall and hope something sticks. But Jesus, there has to be a happy medium I think a lot of people have started to turn uh, on this crowd now because they're seeing the primes of several fantastic footballers and they're seeing them feeling like they're wasted. They're seeing trophies getting left behind that should and could have been won. And they're asking questions about squad reinforcement. We're going to look at the midfield in a minute, but just on that issue, do you have a sense of that? You know, when people, when you're talking to people locally there, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and it's becoming more and more. You know, there's obviously less and less people in the FSG camp. Uh, I would say that some of the people I speak to are, are ill-informed in terms of that. Uh, mm. But I fully understand what it's like to be a football fan. You know, and what you do as a football fan, you compare yourself to others. You know, that's just the way we do. We, we'll look at them, look at them. And you mentioned a couple of clubs who've been nowhere near us in the last five years. And I'm talking about the likes of Newcastle and Chelsea. And they look at what they spend and they go, well, why can't we? you know, on the back of winning the league or winning the Champions League and why did we not invest from a position of strength? Uh, and I think that's where, 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 where they went wrong. I mean, you mentioned the new contracts, you know, that those en masse improved contracts that we, we, we did with all the players not so long ago, maybe not so wise, uh, but it's easy after, isn't it, Trevor? And that's all we got. We talk about things in hindsight, isn't it? So we cheat a little bit, isn't it? But it's without any shadow of a doubt, Less and less people support the owners and more and more people thinking it's time to cut your losses. Uh, one thing that was floated at me the other day in terms of investment, because we do get we do get the feeling that in an ideal world, they want investment. 
they're quite prepared to maybe let go of 20, 25% of the club. And somebody said, well, if they had somebody in place to invest, say, 750 million, would they really announce it now? Uh, or would they sit on that news for a little bit longer? Uh, it's just a different angle in it. So I, I generally don't know what to believe. Uh, the only thing I trust at the moment is is what I see with my own eyes in the games, isn't it? And, and I look at a, at a team and a squad that's desperately in need of owners who's going to be prepared to spend what you mentioned before, a minimum of 200 million, which we can't see happening. Where are they going to get that money from? There's no Champions League money either. So it's very, all very good saying that won't affect us. It will. Yeah, I think it's going to definitely affect them and their thinking. Um, even if they haven't shown any great investment on the back of constant Champions League um, um, runs. Um, but anyway, that is what it is. And we leave them up on the shelf where they belong at the moment because there's nothing we can do about that um, except say, well, what are you going to do? Um, what we can talk about, though, is the squad and how you think it needs to be amended in the summer. Because even if it is a, a case of make do and mend, like send out, sell a, a raft of players, sell a big star and some others in order to um, fund new recruits, the new recruits are undeniably needed. You get the impression, don't you, Jan, that if Trent Alexander-Arnold had some really high-quality right-back breathing down his neck, it would be a different story for the kid. And that's not... That's just human nature. Um, and, and, and so it goes across the board, especially in midfield. And I want to focus specifically on that midfield with you in a minute. But just let's look at the other areas of the team first. Do you think, and we'll start with um, defence and goalkeeper, do you think there's something needs doing there? Because I'm thinking, is Cuevin Kelleher one of our most saleable assets? And if he goes, then we do need someone in. Adrian, I think his contract's up. So we do have... Pitaluga and we've got some promising kids but there's going to have to be someone in there I would have thought um, in my opinion we it's it's it, Joe Gomez might be another saleable asset but uh, uh, who knows and uh, maybe maybe Joel Matip one way or the other you can see one or one or both of those perhaps moving on and of course that frees up wages and so on um, does Costa Simica stay if he does I suppose we're covered there so for me, I think you're looking at a centre half, a full back. I think we could do it too, because this Calvin Ramsey, I don't think really, you can't rely on him suddenly becoming the world bit. We haven't seen him play. Um, so I think a centre half and a keeper at minimum, and I'd like to see a full back or two. What, what do you reckon there is realistic, and what would you like to see? Well, I, I think I'm pretty much on the same lines as you, Trevor. Uh, when we started. Uh, to, to watch this team out of form we, we, we didn't think we were ever going to get to the stage where we thought well, we were going to need reinforcement in defence as well but yeah I think Keller goes because he needs to play and also any money we get for him goes straight into to, 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 uh, to our money isn't it because we have no money invested in him I think the same goes for Nat Phillips uh, we have to find a, a buyer for Nat Phillips uh, Sean Matip I wouldn't be against selling him either uh, and I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if we bring in two centre-halves, one to really challenge uh, the two we got, Konate and uh, Mandai. What we do with Joe Gomez is interesting as well. Uh, but most likely think we'll probably keep him. I mean, we've been linked with a boy from Frankfurt, Evan Indica, who mm. I believe is on a free. Uh, looks sort of the right profile, isn't it? But I'm a little bit reluctant with 
players from the Bundesliga coming to the Premier League because it's very much 50-50, isn't it? Some do really well and some don't do so well, isn't it? Uh, and yeah, a full-back, I absolutely agree. When we are rocking along, Simicast could come into that team and, and really do well. And But it's a different team now, isn't it? So Simicast is not good enough. We've got no backup for, Van Dijk, for Trent unless we use Joe Gomez uh, or James Milner. But, so, yeah, all of a sudden you're looking at three, possibly four goalkeeper defenders. And there's only one way we're going to get them is by some really smart business, isn't it? You know what I mean? We've we, we got to be ahead of the curve here. Uh, we've got to be out there with those three transfers and we've we, we got to find. But do you think... Do you think that we, we, we have a tendency to surprise people with our picks in terms of the players that we wanted? And I also think that we possibly surprised the selling clubs you know, when we went to them and go, this is who we want, this is who we want. And I almost think that is it as if the moment Liverpool knock on your door, you just give yourself five minutes to to, uh, to think about it, and then you put another ten million on top? We, we we're finding more and more difficult to pick up those bargains because the clubs are going. Liverpool and their buying strategy has been spot on. Uh, we we need to be we need to wise up to this, isn't it? So, but yeah, three or four, Trevor, three or four yeah. is going to be needed. So flip it to flip it to the far end of the park before we focus on the one area we 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 can all agree needs massive surgery and look up look up front so we know we've got bobby firmino on his way out we have luis diaz coming back we have the evolving thing that is darwin nunez i want to say we almost 100 percent have mo salah but i have this t- dark fear in the back of my mind that mo salah might be one of the sources of big potential income to fund change I don't even want to think about that. Um, do you think we have enough there? Um, considering we are losing Firmino, who has been a waning force, but still a very important player for us. Um, we've been trying, it looks as if Jurgen's been trying to train Cody Gakpo to do Bobby things. And I think he's been increasingly successful doing them, to be honest. Um, so what's your take there? Do you think there's any surgery required up top? given that we know Firmino is definitely going? Uh, reluctant to think that we need surgery. But I think when you look, and more and more in football, we look at stats, isn't it? And we look at the amount of goals that we, we, we need from our uh, front guys because we have a midfield, we have a non-goal-scoring midfield. Uh, so we've got to find the goals from somewhere. Um, and at the moment, at this rate, we don't have enough goals. Uh, and that is just pretty simple. Isn't it? The guys don't score enough goals. Luis Diaz is not a goal-scorer. Diego Schott has completely forgotten how to score goals. Uh, Nunez, as he rightly says, but, but we're still unsure about David Nunez. Through the middle, on the left, where do we get the most from him? Uh, I, I think, yes, it would probably require us to play in a different way. But I would prefer David Nunez to be through the middle, you know, because he's closer to goal. Uh, he wants to run that way. He wants to stretch the play, isn't it? Uh, and I totally agree uh, with Cody Gakpo, and I hear really good things about him. You know, he's he's really keen. He wants to learn, and he's quite prepared to become that sort of false number nine. But as he stands, without signing any players, I don't think that's a solution. You know, I think we got to settle on hopefully Mo on the right, Lewis Diaz on the left, and Darwin Nunez through the middle, and we got to make that work, and then we can get the other two. And the other two will get plenty of games. Trevor, we, we, they'll get plenty of games, so they won't be starved of games, isn't it? But that's the way I would like it to, 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 to see. 
we have we can't keep hiding behind. Not sure what to do with Damon Nunes. We paid a lot of money for him. We 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 we, we there's got to be more clarity. This is what he does, isn't it? And I just think that. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Playing wire on the left, he's a bit limited, isn't he? You know, in, in terms of understanding the role, when to go on the outside, when to come on the inside. He doesn't quite get the signals of other players, isn't it? The way that Bobby dropped and the other two saw the signals straight away and knew where to run. He doesn't have that in his locker. So I, I very much think that we got to we got to simplify the game for him and play him through the middle and ask him to run in behind the centre-halves at every given opportunity. That's very interesting. That's It's always interesting to hear specific analysis from you on a player. Um, do you, like me, is he is he been a source of joy at least for you um, in this bad period? Like he is exciting to watch. You have, you'd have to say that. I know he can drift out of the game for long periods, but he he does have something. I'm wondering, do you see a talent that's raw and emerging and has potential to develop there? Um, when you say that he doesn't have that in his locker, do you think that's something that can come, or do you think we need to play to this kid's strengths, which is sort of unpredictability, strength, pace? you'd like to think eventually finishing? I, I, I don't know any other word for it, Trevor, uh, but I don't think he'll ever be a cute footballer. And I don't yeah. mean in terms of how he looks, but I don't think he'll ever be a cute footballer. I, I always think, and he was described very early on in his Liverpool career, he's a, he's a chaos footballer. Mm. Uh, and I think he's a chaos footballer. And I think you've got to put him where he can, we can cause the outmost chaos to, to the opposition. And then we have to live with a little bit of chaos in terms of how we want to play, isn't it? Uh, but the one thing, the one overriding thing with him, Trevor, is that he wants it. And he wants it at Liverpool. You know, for that, there's no doubt whatsoever. I think, I mean, as a footballer, you start out wanting to do a lot of things, isn't it? But I think every footballer wants to retire as a legend, only as a proper legend. And you do get that, don't you? That you, you, you can achieve that status at Liverpool, you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, and, I, and I think he's looking... I, it wouldn't surprise me if he was massive on the history of, you know, what happens at this football club, isn't it? And I just think that the biggest compliment I can pay him at the moment is that he wants to be here and he wants it and he wants to be success, successful at our club because I think he's kind of thinking, you know, this could go to another level for him in terms of popularity. Uh, and, and, I, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. Some players just love that, don't they? That adulation. 
you know, the more they get, the better that they play, isn't it? Whereas others are not that bothered. But I just think he's one of those who goes, all the, I've, I've never come across so many people who's on my side. You know, everybody wants him to do well, doesn't he? He wins a toe and they sing his name, isn't it? Everybody's desperate, isn't it? And I think he's locked into that. Now, I think Klopp and the backroom staff's got to help him simplify his game. It's, it's, that's really interesting. And it's one thing for a player uh, to have someone like that in the team with them. And maybe you might love it, maybe you might hate it, maybe it might frustrate you at times. But as a guy who's been on the touchline managing Jan, did you ever have, uh, was was that an alluring thing for you to have a chaos agent that you can just sort of throw into a match and see what happens? Or would that be giving away too much control uh, for, for you as a manager? No, 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 absolutely not. I mean, I, I only ever managed to, to manage in, in, in the lower leagues and, and we had all sorts. Uh, so substitutes, I always have a belief that substitutes either got to be technically good so they can come straight into the game. They've got to have pace uh, if, if they're not technically good. And, and then they've just got to be that type of people that you throw in and you know they'll have an impact on the game. You have no idea what impact, but there'll be an impact. Yeah, <laughs> This guy goes on now and I'll guarantee you something will happen, yeah. I just can't guarantee what happens. And I think Nunes, obviously, he's a higher level. He's a high class, isn't he? You know what I mean? But I, I, I always have this feeling, you know, David Nunes, you know when you see that uh, Rocky film and he runs up the steps and he's at the top of the steps and you got all... I think David Nunes would love to do that through the city. Of, through the of you know? that's, that's how I look at him. You know, he would love that. He'd love to run through the streets of Liverpool and go, come with me down to the town hall and he'd stand up there and go, you know, you all love me. I know you all love me, you know, and I love all of you, you know. Or maybe I'm wrong. I, I think you've nailed it, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I don't actually want to see that now. Uh, so the other area that we have to talk about, obviously, is midfield. Now, I'm going to throw names at you. We've we've already, I think everybody and their uh and knows that Jude Bellingham would be a perfect fit for a Jurgen Klopp team. He's a wonderful footballer and he could play one of those number eight positions brilliantly for us. But we clearly do, like you said earlier on, need a number six. And there's been so many names thrown around. You mentioned actually um, N'Golo Kante on the loan. That was mentioned. Um, like you, I, I, I mean, I think he's probably one of the best to do it in recent years. Every time I see him, my God, he's just a wonderful footballer. But again, seems quite fragile. Uh, I think he's only played, was it four, three games for Chelsea or four games for Chelsea? And he said three different managers for, for those games or a different manager for each game. So let's look at some of the more recurring names and see what you make of them. And again, you know, you might have, Zero to say about some of them and a bit to say about others. But one, apart from Bellingham, that won't go away is uh, Mason Mount. Uh, and again, he would be pretty good in one of those attacking roles. I think he would do a decent job. But again, who cares what I think? What do you reckon to Mason Mount, like in terms of likelihood and would he be suitable for us? I, I think a lot of people care what you what you think, Trevor. I think you want to play your role there. Uh, I like Mason Mount. I think Mason Mount is a really good player. Uh, I just have one comment I want to make about Jude Bellingham before we move on, shall I? Oh, yeah, yeah. And that, and that is the fact that the one thing that why I was drawn to Jude Bellingham is because I thought he's once-in-a-lifetime footballer. Mm. And how often do you get a chance to sign somebody like that? You know, we signed Jay Mason Mount. I can guarantee you that 
he will be of high international class, yeah? But he will never, ever be able to be amongst the best in the world. There's a limit to what he can achieve. There wasn't any limit with Jude Bellingham, was it? And that was the one thing where I was so reluctant to let it go. Because I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful? You know what? You know how we, you know how we love those big stars at Anfield. Isn't it? It's as important as having that figurehead in the dugout. It's that important, you know, whether that was Suarez or Gerard or whoever it is on that pitch, isn't it? And that was the one thing that always made me think twice about Jude Bellingham because of what he brought. But Mason Mount, I like him. Mason Mount as an eight, two-way attacking as well as defensive. I think he's a really good player. He's really mobile. He's got a good eye for for, for things. Take six set pieces, scores goals. I'm a big, big fan of Mason Mount. He'll have one year left of his contract. I would find it amazing um, if if they were prepared to let him go, but they'll have their own problems with financial fair play and they have to find some real money, isn't it? So if somebody's prepared to pay for Mason Mount with 12 months left, if he's available, let's make it a priority, Trevor. I really like the kid. Now, there's a fee of 70 million being talked about, and I think he's in the last year of his contract. So if Liverpool end up paying 70 million for Mason Mount, I, 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 you'd have to question, start really wondering, has, have the wheels come right off in terms of decision making? But he is a player uh, for sure. You're so right about the idea about Jude Bellingham, by the way, the idea of a generational talent. And there's something about, you know, the idolising Gerard and Gerard with the mutual appreciation. And you just go, oh, my God, if we could have a new Gerard for a decade, you know. But, you know, it is what it is. Who, who the hell knows what's happening there? So, Mason Mount, I'm, I'm, I'm sensing quite a lot of thumbs up there from you. In regards to some of the other players from the Premier League that are being mentioned, um, there are a handful here. Uh, Moises Caicedo, who I really really like and think would be very ap- appropriate for us Alexis McAllister who again I think could be very very useful for us um, Matthias Nunes who of course we had uh, the opportunity to get um, before Wolves did and another lad at Chelsea Connor Gallagher so let's take a, a f- take a run at them and see what you make of them we'll start with Caicedo and Again, just in terms of suitability and 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 um, how you see, you see him fitting in, would he be, is he a realistic talent? I was at a Old Trafford first game of the season, uh, Man United Brighton, and they'd sold Bissouma to uh, to Tottenham. Casado uh, has played a couple of games last season, uh, but this was sort of you know now now you know he's going to play, isn't it? You know it's different when you look at a player and you think well he's only standing in for a couple of games or whatever, but now you know it's for real. They've sold Bissouma. This is the kid who's going to play, isn't it? He was sensational. Absolutely sensational, you know. And what a good player he is, you know, Trevor. Uh, Mason Mount for 70 million, not in a million years. I wouldn't entertain that. Uh, Caicedo, depending. He's the right age, isn't he? He's the right profile. Mm. Um, I'd push the ball a long way to get him. I really like him. And what about his pal? But by the way, how how mad is it that Brighton have two that were after you know the uh, next one we're moving on to is a World Cup winner, um, Alexis McAllister again could be very very useful in a, in a position where we really need someone. What, what what do you think of this kid? Well, again, I like him. I like him a lot. I think he's he's improved beyond all recognition. I remember the first time I, a couple of times I saw him and he was mainly playing in the Carabao Cup and I thought, yeah, okay, we've got a technical little player here, probably more of a number 10. 
we don't use number tens at Liverpool, so he's never going to be of any interest to us. But he's 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 evolved. Uh, he's he, he, again, he's a really strong number eight. Uh, can also play as a number six, isn't it? Terrific, terrific talent. Uh, I wouldn't go down and give Brighton 120 million for the two of them. Uh, if, if I had to choose, I would I would I would go for Casado because I think it's it's a greater need. Uh, and if Fabinho listens to this, of course he won't enjoy that. But it it does look like we need we need we need somebody in there, isn't it? so. I would take Caicedo before I'd take McAllister. And in terms of the other two then, I mentioned um, Matthias Nunes and Conor Gallagher. What do you reckon to them as suitable candidates for a club team? Every time I see Matthias Nunes, he disappoints me. But equally, I see why we're interested in him. You know, you see all these things that just about but it doesn't quite come off. Just about, but it doesn't quite come off. So I, I 100% see why we like him. Uh, I 100% think that it's a decision based on stats here. Yeah? This is what this guy does. Uh, but when you look at him and you trust your eyes a little bit, you go, but he's, everything is so close, but doesn't quite get there. You know, he's, he's, he's not not enough assists, definitely not enough goals, although he scored a one goal the other week. Uh, but I can 100% see why we want to buy him. And it wouldn't surprise me if we get him. You know, because I think that if we have to go to the owners and back up a signing with stats, I think we'll 100% be able to do that with this kid. So that wouldn't surprise me. I'm, again, fee-dependent, 35, 40 million. I, I think that's a lot of money for what he's achieved so far. But a bit like Diego Schotter, when we took him from there, we, we saw, based on his stats, that there's so much more in the business. So he wouldn't be at the top of my list, no, absolutely not. Oh, what about young Gallagher? At, um... big, big fan, Trevor. Big really? Fan. Really? Yeah, okay. I'm a big fan of Conor Gallagher. Uh, people go, he's, he's had a dreadful season for, 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 for Chelsea, and I agree. But I think he's put under pressure when he plays for Chelsea because he kind of gets, here's a game, show us what you can get, what you can do. You know, he's, he's never in his comfort zone where he knows that regardless of what I do, I'll play again and again. I know you can't play forever without playing well, but I think this kid needs to know that you're going to get a run of games uh, because he is a he is a high risk footballer, you know he puts the ball at risk. You know he wants to pass forward, he wants to dribble, he shoots from distance. You know, so he is a high risk footballer. And I think for him to be able to do that, and also because of his age, he needs to feel the trust from the manager. But I'm a big fan of Conor Gallagher, and I like the fact that we might be talking anything from like 25, 30 million. I think for that, I think he's a really good player, Trevor. You would love him. He's all action. He's physically strong. But he wants, you know, he wants to be involved. He wants to run up and down. He wants to, yeah, I, I think he's a big fan. There are equally as many people go, he's been absolutely dreadful for, for Chelsea this season. And he has. But that doesn't shy away from the fact that I'm a big fan. Love that, love that. Now, there are two other uh, Premier League players that we've been linked with, uh, at least, but we'll just go with the ones that I've seen most stories about. Um, obviously, Declan Rice is one, um, but Declan Rice has been linked with everybody. And the other one is Joe Palina at Fulham. Now, I'll openly admit that I think I've seen Joe Palina play three times, maybe, in total. So I, I don't know a lot about this kid. Um, and I say kid, he's going to be 28 in July. Uh, Declan Rice, I think, is probably more of the profile. Declan Rice, I've seen quite a bit of, bit of a box-to-box merchant. Um, I don't know if he's quite the footballer. Other people seem to think he is. But then, again, I'm very curious to hear what you think about either of them in terms of suitability for Liverpool. I'm, 
have to be honest, I'm also a little bit unclear about Declan Rice. Uh, you know, I think he does a lot of good things and the fact that he's a regular in the England team, blah, blah, whatever. Uh, but I do think, however, that he needs to step up. Uh, if you're going to go in and pay in excess of 60 million and he wants to play for Liverpool, he needs to step up. Has he got in his locker? Probably. Uh, but I'm not 100% sure. The other kid, now what a player he is, Trevor. Rafinha at Fulham. And when I saw him early on in the season, and I went, wow. But then I looked uh, and I went, ah, he's the wrong age already, you know. Uh, had that been a 23, 24-year-old kid, you go, wow, all day long, you know what I mean? I mean, you know, we talk about Fabinho at his peak, you know, and what he used to get in the way of and what he used to steal and whatever. This kid is absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's just a shame, as you rightly said, he's late 20s. Uh, they've already paid, I think, close to 30 million for him. So he's, he's going to be expensive, but yeah, I like him a lot. I think he is top, top draw. Now, as we move away from the Premier League, we're going to be moving away from what a lot of our listeners will have a hell of a lot of familiarity with. But there are names, again, that keep getting mentioned. Kefren Turim's one of them. Um, I know Ugart is another one. Uh, Quadio Kone is another one. And um, I've heard at least a couple others. I think the kid um, at Salzburg, uh, Lukas Sukic, and the big one that we've been hearing over the last couple of days is Nicolo Barea uh, from Inter, who's obviously a seriously class act that most people would be familiar with, even from international football. So any of those names that jumping out at you as, um, oh, yeah, please, please, let's get that. Well, Gravenberch at Bayern is another one who just yeah, yeah. continually being linked. Uh, any, said, what, what? Go on, go on, sir. No, I was just going to say any of those like really make your 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 your, uh, your eyes go up on stocks there and go, yeah, let's get that lad. Yeah, most of them. I think they're really good players. I mean, we, we wouldn't be linked with them if they're not good. I mean, Gravenberg to Bayern Munich, I'm surprised uh, that we haven't seen more of him. I understand that Joshua Kimmich and, and uh, Goretzka is ahead of him in, in the team, isn't it? But I like him. I think he's a good player. You know, again, he's an up and down. He's good mobility. A guard, I, I don't know. I just think he's a no-brainer. Uh, you know, he understands the role. He's physical. Uh, we can get him for, 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 for the right fee. And we do have a tendency, don't we, Trevor, when you look at where do we like to buy from? You know, when you look at the profile of the clubs that we buy from, and you mentioned the, the, the kid from, from uh, Salzburg, isn't it? And Salzburg is definitely one of those clubs that we monitor because yeah. of the way that they play. You know, it's, 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 it's a no-brainer, isn't it? Uh, so, you, and you had the boy Kone. Uh, also, he also looks a very, very good player, doesn't he? Uh, so, you've, you've thrown about 12, 13 names at me, Trevor. I can make a case for all of them, I think. I, I think they're all really, really good players. Give me your non-Jude trio. Say, say you're looking to balance it up with a, a six and two eights. What do you? What would be your dream combo? Say, say we're both completely off off beam and um, FSG decide to fund or either that or fund it through sales like they have before, and we go and we we remodel this midfield. What, what would you? What would be the top guys that you'd love to see? Maybe in a, in a, in a midfield that would actually make sense on its own. Yeah, I would go for Casado, a Brighton. Yeah, I'd go for Mason Mount at Chelsea. Uh, and that would obviously leave us a little bit. Uh, so when you think about that, would I then be tempted for Gravenberg at Bayern Munich? Because I think a you might be able to get him on loan, or b you might be able to get him to price him out the door. 
at a favourable fee. So he'll probably be, because I'm not going to be unrealistic and think I can spend another 60, 70, 80 million because that's not going to be impossible, is it? Uh, you know, and the only reason that that guy is is is, is not Conor Gallagher uh, is, is probably whether, whether Chelsea's going to be prepared to sell two yeah. of their most valuable midfield players to us, isn't it? So I'm trying to be as, as reasonable and sensible. Uh, but, you know, based on everything... Nunez, I probably wouldn't mind him seeing him either because he's one of them, you know, Trevor, where you see a player and you go, I, need, I want to see more. You know, I'm not, I'm not satisfied, but I need to see more uh, because I need, I, need, I need the question answered. You know, is he, is he what I think he potentially can be? You know what I mean? But he will never, ever live up to that potential. Wolves, that's 100% sure. So he needs to go somewhere else. Uh, but no, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Gavin Burton. I'm, I am surprised. Uh, and I think then you've got a pretty flexible sort of midfield three uh, that can do a lot of damage. And then you look at what we've got to support to Thiago and Jordan Henderson, whether Fabinho stays or not, isn't it? But we, we, are, we, we, we need to be looking at at least two midfield players, Trevor, for our starting eleven. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to improve. Yeah, and, and I know it's... <laughs> It's a lot to be putting a weight to be putting on a kid's shoulders, but we do have the very, very, very impressive batch to just come back into it as well. Mm. So that is that is something that I'm sure Klopp will be um, counting on or factoring in. And I'm just looking at the clock here, man. We've been just natter, nattering away here about the team and uh, very little time left to talk about the games coming up. So what we'll do is we'll put that as a subject onto the next show and we'll look at whatever's remaining at that stage in the wake of having played Leeds on Monday night, I believe. And we'll talk a bit about what that might look like and what what we can hope to to, to, to achieve in the, in the, in the season. Um, because... You know, sitting in eighth, um, so many points off the pace. Uh, I'd be curious, uh, and let's 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 wait. Like I say, till we have one more game under our belts to do that chat. And just for the last minute or two, um, when you look ahead to this game against Leeds, and we see where Leeds are sitting, of course, that whole end of the table is very very tight indeed. They are, I suppose, edging a bit towards safety on twenty nine points. I <laughs> mean. A couple of results there at the end of the table, and anything can happen. Uh, they have actually gone down. What do you reckon in terms of this uh, as a fixture, Jan? We're, we're at their place. Our away form has been pretty wagon. Um, how are you feeling heading into that one? We have got a few players back, I suppose. Maybe even Diaz. Yeah, I mean, you know, instantly, the games at Ellen Road, which means we're away from home, that doesn't fill you with any confidence. Uh, the other week, Leeds beat. Nottingham Forest 2-1 and, and, and played quite well. We're all over them. And then they had a dreadful, dreadful performance uh, against Crystal Palace where in transition they were dreadful. They just couldn't get themselves organised. Uh, and I do think that we're quite capable of hurting them with our running power. Uh, and I also think that we're now reaching the stage with Leeds where it's a home game for Leeds, isn't it? So you're looking to pick up points, isn't it? But it's a home game against Liverpool, isn't it? Who have a better team than Leeds. And I think it'll be a really nervous Ellen Road, I think it'll be an end-to-end spectacle. Uh, I can't guarantee of what quality, but I think it'll be an exciting game. And I do think that, and we found it ever so difficult, but I think we'll win. And it's that time, so I might as well ask you a win. Uh, you want to give us a feeling for a potential scoreline? 
Yeah, I do, Trevor. Uh, I think we might beat them 3-1. Uh, I just think that Leeds is... There is teams near the bottom who can be difficult to unsettle. Uh, you know, they, 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 they sort of play a, a very steady game and they're difficult to unsettle. I think Leeds is one of those teams that you can unsettle, you know, and I think that was just, you know, the more chaotic the game can become, I think that suits us at the moment. And I think Leeds are quite, whereas you get other teams, you'll take the heat out of the game and time waste and whatever. Leeds is like bang, 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 bang. And I think that was suits us. And for that reason, that reason only, as I said before, I think we'll beat them 3-1. Love it. Love it. I'm looking forward to that one now on the back of uh, your uh, optimism. So we should wrap it up and say, as ever, thanks a million for letting us go through all those various topics. As you said, threw a lot at you there, man. But as ever, you dealt with it admirably. So uh, until we speak again next week, Jan, thanks very much, mate. Yeah, I guess that will almost be our season, Trevor, from now to the end of the season. You're talking about what's going to happen next season, isn't it? Because, you know, this has not been particularly enjoyable, but we keep going. We'll keep going and hopefully we will have increasingly more information uh, to be talking about as we move on through these final weeks of the season and maybe even a few heartening wins and Luis Diaz wonder displays or something. Uh, Even if we could get uh, Darwin um, firing, that would be super. So myself and Jan will be back with you next week and we'll take you through to the end of the season. Thanks to Jan as always. I've been Trev Downey. We'll see you next week. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.